Welcome to What Do You Believe? You're here because you're curious. I love asking people this question, what do you believe? We all believe in something, and perhaps you're asking yourself this question. Thank you for joining me on the show. I'm so excited to introduce to you Dr. Jennifer McGregor. She is a doctor with Union Square Dermatology. She happens to be my dermatologist, so of course I love, love, love her. And I asked her all the questions that you guys had written in to ask, and also questions I've been dying to ask her. So we have uh, we have a great interview for you. We have a lot of information. Um, we learn about products, what to use, what not to use, the pitfalls of social media. You know everything to do with skin health, uh, diet, exercise, the whole nine. So thanks for joining, and welcome to What Do You Believe. Dr. Jennifer McGregor, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh my God, so excited to have you. So I always begin the show with the question, what do you believe? Which has to be the most difficult question to answer in the world. (laughs) Because there are so many different directions you can go with this, but if I'm synthesizing my life and my practice and what I do. One of the things that I I know I believe is that I believe in people um, and I do believe that people really need a very healthy self-love and self-respect in order to meet all of their other needs in this life um, and handle the challenges that life throws at us. So in order to have meaningful connections with others in order to find and achieve your purpose in life, um, in order to achieve small things and individual skills and great things. I think you just really need a very healthy sense of self-love and self-respect and ability to just care for and nurture yourself and be your own support at times. Mm, I love that answer. I love that answer. So it's it's interesting that you say this because you must see so much of this conflicting, you know, this this conflict with self in your office, being a dermatologist, and people, you know, these days are just obsessed with staying thin and keeping young. And you know, what what is your approach to balanced skincare and your approach with your patients? I do see that, and it's interesting you mention that, in that as a dermatologist, a medical physician, but also an aesthetic doctor, I have this window into the way people connect with their own health and their own appearance. And as much as we would like to believe that it's not true, our appearance and our skin health really is a reflection of our internal health and our psychological well-being to some extent, and that People interpret us based on what they see when they look at us, either our facial expression or our skin health and just the general look, the general look of us. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's it's all tied together. And I hear people's internal dialogue surrounding this issue on a daily basis. And and when I speak to people, I do, I really try to keep it intentionally vague to try to understand what's going on with them sort of how this interaction is going for them, how they view their own skin, their own health, uh, and their own concerns. I ask them things like, what do you see? Uh, What would you like to see? 
Um, or if it's someone I haven't seen in a while, I'll, I'll ask them things like, update me. Um, and, and it's interesting because sometimes I get an update related to skin and appearance, and other times I get a life update, um, or just generally how it's going, especially in a pandemic, <laughs> when, yeah. when things are going in a lot of different directions for a lot of different people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So based on that information is then, then you make an assessment and go forward. Have you, have you seen, what, what, what has been your experience so far in, during the pandemic and, and, and your patients? Um, has, what's, what's been the, the general kind of you know, diagnosis, I would say? I think that a lot of people are, are struggling with this whole core issue of, of self-love and self-respect. I think people, when they get down internally, they get down on their face or in their body and they see it in the mirror. Yeah. And it's just a cycle where if, if you're struggling, then not only does time and aging take a toll on our appearance and our expression, maybe leading us to look tired or sad or angry when we're not, but it also leads us to look tired at or angry when we are. Right. So, um, you know, that is a very real connection, a very real reflection of what's going on internally. And if, if someone is struggling with this whole core issue or just getting down in general by life's challenges or, or something they're going through, um, you know, I find it really takes its toll on the appearance and the way people see themselves and perceive themselves mm. and, and perceive their appearance. Wow. And Zoom Which is huge in aesthetics. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. And Zoom doesn't help. I mean, we're, we're kind of up again. Zoom doesn't help. <laughs> Zoom doesn't help. And, and I hear this all the time that, I, you know, I, I'm a teacher. I, I really didn't sign up to present myself on video all day. And now they're forced with staring at their reflection and potentially picking themselves apart rather than actually focusing on their life's work or their passion, which is the teaching or the content of what they're discussing. Now they're looking at this little thumbnail of their image and obsessing over the way the light's reflecting under their eyes, wondering if they're getting shadows, if they look tired, if they look angry, are they getting wrinkles, is their face dropping, and, and all these other uh, ideas that can that come into your mind and interfere with what you're trying to do and accomplish in life. Wow. That's, that's really heavy energy, right? To have to <laughs> deal with on a daily basis. I mean, that's, that's, um, that must be very challenging at times. It is. And I'm, I'm sure all I want, when I hear this, I just want to like give people a hug. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Me too. And I think some of the best dermatologists and plastic surgeons do just that very often because we hear this and 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 sometimes it's very real because you're getting bummed out by managing your own appearance with age or with time. And and sometimes it's it's more just time has this effect where we're feeling great, but maybe now we're entering our fifties or sixties and we're seeing that our eyes are taking on a more tired or maybe our corners of our mouth are downturned and people are misinterpreting us as sad or tired or angry. And so that's another thing I hear frequently when I ask people things like, what do you see? I often hear, well, you know, ever since I went through menopause, I noticed I just look sad or I look tired or my mouth is droopy. And yeah. people are always asking me, am I okay? Are, are you okay? And 
the person's thinking, well, I exercise, I eat great, everything's okay, I'm okay. But it can also interfere with what they're doing when someone's asking them that based on their appearance, based on their natural facial aging. Right. There's so many fads on social media and with all of the filters and all of the fakeness, have you noticed that your patients are also younger as well as older? I'm just curious in terms of, you know, are, are, are people getting, getting Botox at like 25? I mean, I feel like I hear about this. They are. And on one hand, I think it's really wonderful because with social media comes access to really great information. So myself and my colleagues are, are putting more information out there for the lay public and the younger generation is getting savvier about how they take care of themselves. They're using uh, sun protection at a younger age. They're coming in for professional advice about their skin care and their general health at a younger age. And, and I believe they're preserving themselves and aging better and mm. probably more healthy as a result in, in one regard. And then there's what you mentioned, which is this over, over, over focusing on appearance and every little thing and this ability to tweak and edit photos to a point where everybody looks perfect like this avatar. And it, it, it always surprises me that in that sense, people aren't just satisfied with the fact that they can edit and tweak out photos to make themselves look absolutely perfect they're not satisfied they actually want to really look like that filter in real life and they want to really look like these celebrities with these photoshopped images and overly filtered images to look perfect or to even almost look like cartoon caricatures of people um so i i do see this and and i i personally find it difficult to manage and disturbing in a way that there's almost this focus on turning people into these cartoon caricatures and completely disregarding natural embryological normal anatomy which we study so you know there's so much meticulous focus in my field on natural harmony and aesthetics and natural beauty and just sort of Mm -hmm. keeping people healthy and maintaining and that just to see a complete disregard for it and turning people into these like overly pulled, you know, fox eyes and like a pointy chin and really long, you know, a naturally sharp mandible is really in right now. This jawline, um, it's, it's like a cartoon um, with the face and with the body. Um, is that's the, difficult. So that, that's definitely the dark side of social media. Yeah, that's the dark. Is that the? Is that kind of one of your biggest concerns as a doctor? I mean, just what you're seeing in this it's world. my concern as yes as a doctor as an aesthetic physician as a mom as a human yeah. <laughs> that just yeah. wants the best for people yeah. i see and for our children and the next generation it, it's it's it is scary and concerning self-talk self-love self-respect where is it coming from is your desire to take great care of yourself and appear your best and feel your best and be your most healthy and have your skin and your appearance be a reflection of that that is appropriate to your life and your age and your lifestyle then i think it's it's all upside and we as physicians will then share everything we know based on the latest research in terms of how to how to best do that based on any individual's age and and skin type and lifestyle and environmental stressors, I should say. 
um, which is which is complicated. There's so many things that go into it because skin really is a reflection of our health. Right. And um, the, the main things you know, we, we talk about is getting that annual skin checkup to make sure that your skin is healthy and that you're not at high risk of skin cancer and using adequate sun protection and sunscreen to the best of our ability and what those are really, because that can be very confusing for consumers right. in general. And then, you know, how to, you know, how to protect yourself in other ways, seek shade during the sunniest hours, wear a hat, reapply your sunscreen, and then healthy lifestyle and dietary habits are also super important because we know that stress and diet and lifestyle factors play a huge role in our health and our skin appearance as well. If I do anything too extreme, I start to lose my hair and my skin really, you know, doesn't look as, as, as vibrant as it could. So I know that I have to have a certain amount of animal protein and a certain amount of carbs. And I know what works for me. Interesting you say that. I see people get really caught up in fads. You know, mm. it's just eat a lot of celery and drink a lot of water. And that's your yeah. answer. And it's unfortunately, the body is a little bit more complicated than that. It's evolved right. uh, you know, yeah. over generations. And the fads and the one thing isn't the answer. And there's no one reason why your hair is falling out, right? Or why your hair thins out. Could be iron deficiency. It could be thyroid you know, insufficiency. It could be. Um, uh, you know, a hormonal issue. It could be so many things. It could be actually scalp dermatitis. So it's wow. it's not one thing. It's not a fad that's really going to be the answer, but it's general healthy living, which you alluded to. And what is healthy living? I mean, it certainly varies and there's a lot of arguments surrounding it. So I'll focus on what we know to be true at this point in time, as to the best of my ability. Um, there are some things we know, and we know that if you're adequate hydrated with water, uh, that's great. It helps with a number of things and with your skin, with your body's function, with your metabolism even, and with your physical function, your ability to run, think, do, do all things. We know that if you eat too many calories for your body height and size and metabolism, that has a significant um, deleterious effect on your health and your skin in general. Uh, specifically, the worst thing that you could do is eat um, high glycemic sugars in overabundance, um, meaning rapid release sugar into the body. It causes inflammation, which accelerates aging and has negative health effects on basically every organ system, including the skin and skin conditions. It worsens acne, it worsens rosacea, it worsens psoriasis, eczema, and it accelerates aging for sure. And so that is one. We also know that if you overly restrict calories for more than a few days at a time, then our metabolism does start to slow down and our hormonal profile starts to change. Mm. So it's just balanced with eating enough, avoiding high glycemic foods, and eating sort of a slow, steady state um, sugar release diet. And we also know, which is interesting, that some calorie restriction, as long as it's cyclic and not severe and prolonged, actually benefits our gene expression, our appearance, improves aging, and can prolong lifespan and improve health. And it, it, it helps us express younger genes and gives us energy. So 
that's also interesting. And so it seems to be that there are different methods of doing this, um, intermittent fasting, um, doing a 24-hour fast, restricting calories for a period as long as it's not more than a few days mm. um, in a cyclic fashion seems to have a very beneficial effect. And when you calorie restrict in general, even if it's through <laughs> toxic means, you actually get a benefit, um, which is interesting. And if taken to the extreme, it actually has negative effects on our hormonal profiles and our metabolism and our function and our aging. So there's this, there has to be this balance that's appropriate for your size and your lifestyle and your physical activity. Right. And then with, the, with those calories and those things you are consuming and um, whichever intermittent fasting or, or short fast that work for you, um, the foods you do eat should be very nutrient rich, mm -hmm. uh, more rich in omega-3 than omega-6 fatty acids, which seems to also have an anti-inflammatory and beneficial health effect, and also high enough in, in protein and, and micronutrients to support healthy body function and vitamin stores. Right. I tend to gravitate for this reason towards a hunter-gatherer diet. You know, if you really look back at research, our body is evolved to store B vitamins from meat, iron from meat for a period of time. And, and that's likely this hunter-gatherer method where, you know, we ate nuts and seeds and fruits and vegetables most of the time. And then we would you know, have an animal <laughs> kill and, and eat an animal, but not like every day, three meals a day eating animal fat, right. but eating, eating meat to some degree and, and high protein mm -hmm. and not overeating the saturated fat, animal fat, because then you're sacrificing your micronutrients. And the biggest downfall is this agricultural <laughs> revolution with over focus on grains, which are the high glycemic foods. Yeah. And bakeries, you know, and they're, they're fantastic. They taste delicious, but if if repeated over and over, day in and day out, that's pretty much the worst thing you can do right. for health and aging. And so skin. when you're when you're saying high glycemic, that that causes inflammation. So inflammation causes aging. Correct. Correct. Right. Correct. Everything um, we believe that contributes to autoimmune disease and exacerbation of all skin conditions. Um, so the best thing you can do is as much of a hunter-gather diet as you can do without you know, making yourself nuts, um, because that's that's the other thing is you know over-focus and over-restricting is also not good. So I say you know adhere 85 to 90 percent of the time to a low glycemic diet. Mm. Hunter-gather diets are also naturally more omega-3 rich. They're naturally more gluten-free and dairy-free because that's just the way our paleolithic ancestors ate and had access to natural foods. Right. And when you look at hunter-gatherer societies, you, you really don't find inflammatory skin conditions like acne and rosacea, uh, to, definitely not to the extent that we, we have in our modern society. So that's, this is what I always tell people, low glycemic, very little dairy, very little baked goods, white flour, processed grains, and if you are looking for more carb sources, these are very physically active, then, you know, quinoa, gluten-free oats, potatoes, sweet potatoes, 
a natural food source for it. And then, you know, brown rice better being better than white rice, but, you know, overeating these overly processed foods is also a problem. And that's something I see with a lot of vegetarians and vegans is that they're overly focusing on dairy and grains and they're eating gluten-free pizza and, uh, you know, baked goods that are vegan and they're high glycemic and mm. just full, you're basically eating a spoonful of sugar every day and that, and you're not getting the right ratio of macronutrients and micronutrients to support your body. Yeah. So I, I think that can be a problem. I know some people can do a vegan diet and get enough protein and, you know, supplement appropriately, but you've got to be really cerebral about it and you've got to be really on top of it in order to do that. Right. B B6 and B12, you have to make sure, right, that you're getting that that supplement in your B6 diet. and B12 and storing adequate iron and yeah. getting adequate protein on a day-to-day basis. I mean, people yeah. argue about optimal protein macronutrient ratios, but let's say at least 20% of our daily calories should be protein. Yeah. Wow. Make all of our amino acids and, and you have to combine foods um, in, in a certain way if you're going to eat a vegetarian or vegan diet. It's difficult. Right. It's certainly a lot more difficult. But that said, if you're eating animal protein, you don't need to eat it all day, three meals a day, day in and day out, because now you're getting high level of animal fat, which is also problematic. Right, right. Yeah, it's it is it is very it's very controversial and it's very problematic and and it's very uh, it's a hot topic, right? I mean, people it's a hot topic. It's a hot topic. It's hard. It's a hard one to talk to because people get offended and it's it's yeah, it's just it's difficult. It's very very difficult. It is, but this, but this is this is it's it's manageable if you think low glycemic, minimize or avoid dairy, minimize or avoid gluten, minimize or avoid processed grain sources. And try to get adequate fish oil. If you aren't eating it, you should be supplementing it. Omega-3 fatty acids specifically. Mm. Same with vitamin D um, and zinc. Um, and then antioxidants. You know, you just need an antioxidant-rich diet. And green tea polyphenols and citrus fruits and berries and nuts and all these you know, wonderful natural foods have all of this in it. Which is amazing. But what what's what about digestible collagen? Do you is this fact or fiction? <laughs> it's it, it's difficult because there have been a number of studies that look at this, but studying the effect of any aspect of a person's dietary intake is very difficult to control, as you can imagine. So every study is basically compounded by issues that make the data unusable. And what we can say is that people or populations where they're not getting adequate protein or animal protein, like, you know, if they're vegetarian or vegan, or, and I'm going to generalize here because a lot of my patients that are seniors are the most productive people about town and incredibly vibrant, energetic individuals, but they'll old tradition of the tea and toast as people get older they don't eat as many varied foods and they have more you know tea and toast type of the diet can get very protein deficient so in that population you can actually demonstrate a very clear benefit to these but the way i think about it once the collagen 
hits your digestive tract, it breaks up into amino acids, which are the building blocks of protein. And collagen is a protein. Right. And in our skin, collagen is being synthesized, made, created, and broken down all the time. And inflammation and UV radiation and smoking really accelerates those enzymes which tear up collagen, healthy collagen. And you know, more healthy living and just having the amino acids available and having micronutrients and vitamins and copper and zinc and all the other micronutrients that we need, vitamin C, all these things available in abundance helps our body and supports our body's own synthesis of collagen in the skin. So the collagen you eat in these supplements is not just like transport to your skin and lay itself down and now you have this great collagen. It's always being created and broken up. And anything that activates this, these matrix metalloproteinases that basically tear up our collagen is damaging. It's inflammation, it's an environmental stressor, it's free radicals from pollution or sun or smoking. So that is the issue with those. So I like to think of them as a convenience factor. You know, much like people sit bone broth, um, they get protein from that. I think it's very convenient. I do it myself sometimes when I'm seeing patients and I'm not able to go back for a regular meal, I might use that as a time to do a short intermittent fast and I might sit bone broth for protein. Um, I think the collagen products <laughs> available just make it that much more convenient to get your daily protein, especially if you are a vegetarian or a vegan. I don't know if you're allowed to take some of these products, but um, I would say that it's a, it's a nice convenience factor, much like protein shakes or just taking amino acids are for fitness enthusiasts. They often take amino acids during their workouts um, to make sure they have amino acids available to build protein and build muscle. Products on the market. <clears throat> you know, this is so, it's a billion dollar industry, you know, selling beauty products and what works, oils, this, that. Talk to me about that. What, what are we being sold that really we should avoid? Um, what actually works? Um, you know, this, this, this is such a big industry in terms of, of expensive creams and, and everything. And I know what works for me. Um, and, and it's something that I don't know if I'm just buying into because it works for me and it's something that I'm used to. And I know that it, that it works well with my skin. Um, but, but can you kind of direct us into, a, into a, a direction of, of, of something that just makes sense? you know, what doesn't make sense to you? It's hard. Uh, what really, what, what doesn't make sense to me is the fact that products can be created and labeled and sold however they want. As long as they aren't making a dangerous or grossly misleading claim that would be picked up on by the FDA and then regulated. You know, these aren't considered drugs. They are um, cosmetic products, personal care products, and many or most of these ingredients are generally considered safe, and so they're able to be used and slapped into a product, and then any claim they want on the front. And there are all kinds of word plays that go on, and the manufacturers of these products are not following you home to study you and see how you did with said product. So mm -hmm. it's not outcomes based, right? They're not, they're not focused on your outcome with the product. They're focused on selling you the product. 
So it's tough and you really, <laughs> even dermatologists, we go to medical school, we focus on skin, we learn about product. It's still confusing and very difficult to read these lists of ingredients and botanicals now being included in products and they're labeled as clean and natural. Well, that's nice. What is clean and natural? Everything in this world is natural, in my opinion. So, um, you know, that's that's a kind of a meaningless statement. And then you have clean. Well, what's clean? I mean, what does that even mean? As Sephora defines it on their webpage, if you want to go on Sephora's webpage, but they allow small amounts of this, small amounts of fragrance, small amounts, and then they can get the clean seal. But that's this is all arbitrary. Um, so we can really only... As a, as a physician, evidence-based person, I, I like to you know focus on kind of what we know, what's the evidence, and we know you know certain things make up the skin barrier, and we need to nurture that. Mm. And certain skin conditions cause certain imbalances in that, and we need to balance it out in that case. So that could play into the choice of what oils, bases, or, or fatty acid sources are in the moisturizer you might want to pick. Um, and we know we lose water through our skin surface, especially if our skin barrier is damaged. So we want to seal in water. And so one of the general categories in any given moisturizer or product would be something that seals in and prevents that water loss from our skin. Mm. So things like petrolatum or Vaseline or mineral oil or oils in general or waxes, uh, castor base. Um, and, and then you have uh, fatty acid sources. So things that help nurture the skin barrier. You have anti-inflammatories that help calm that inflammation or inflammaging, as it's been termed, um, in, in there as well. Right. And you have what are called humectants. You have things inside these products that help draw um, water from the body or from the air into your skin. Um, so like glycerin or hyaluronic acid, those will those, those bind and draw the water in. So as long as you're adequately hydrated and you're using something like this, it will sort of plump up and smooth out your skin for a certain period of time. So, so these, all these things are in products and they fall into these general categories. But when you get into botanicals and all these other categories like antioxidants and vitamins and peptides and um, retinoids, which are vitamin A derivatives, and you have your, your retinoic acid or tretinoin prescriptions which bind the retinoic acid receptor and have certain effects in the skin turnover and skin structure directly. And then you have retinols, which go into the skin and require some conversion steps, depending on which ones they are and if they're packaged appropriately and even stable in the product, mm. um, then they may or may not work. Um, but the problem is the labeling. And unless the company has studied this specifically and proven that it works or that it's beneficial in some regard, the, the real truth is we don't know. So every time a skincare company comes out and they have their manufacturing and their packaging and their processing and they have a long list of botanicals and we don't know. Some of these botanicals overlap with compounds where we know what they do and some don't. Um, so it, it can get very confusing and there are so many unknowns and it is certainly not outcomes based um, unless it's a company that has studied their product and, right. and some do and some don't. Uh, but this is why and and you know this about me, you know, I always say, you know, go where you know the company 
yeah. has done their job. And, and that is actually very easy because there are a lot of big brands at the drugstore that do a fantastic job for you. Right. And though they do the studies and they can tell you what it does. Uh, so, you know, those, those big drugstore brands, you know, like the Avinos, the Neutrogena, the Eucerin, the, the CeraVe, they, these companies, the Johnson & Johnson, they do the studies, they package it appropriately mm. in large enough quantities that we can rely on what's in the label and that they are generally packaging appropriately and meeting their claims. Right. And these are not expensive brands. These are, these are products nope. work that are, are totally affordable. Exactly. And a lot of my patients are depressed to find out that a lot of times fancy anti-aging eye creams are compared to what our grandmothers did and told us to do, uh, which is put Vaseline under your eyes at night. And that is a very powerful skin protectant. It seals in moisture. It does not clog your pores. It doesn't break you out. And it helps your skin barrier do what we're, we're all capable of doing, which is create and, and repair it by itself by preventing the water loss from the skin. And it, it has a pretty profound smoothing effect. And it's actually cool again on social media, I came to find out. You're kidding. Um, it's, got a, it's got a cool name. It's called slugging. Slugging? <laughs> Slug. Yeah. That's what it's slugging. Called. Yeah, it means greasing your face up with an ointment at night, uh, which is what my grandmother did, Nivea, and then Vaseline. I mean, that's what they did. And and if you look at some of these more expensive fancy creams, they actually are frighteningly similar in ingredient and composition, and they're they're doing just that. So um, sometimes um, there are you know compounds that have very meaningful and important. You know, the basic things you find in your drugstore, yeah. like a moisturizer, yeah. for example, we know that, you know, petrolatum or oil or, you know, castor-based are great skin protectants. We know that glycerin and hyaluronic acid are great humectants. They draw in water and they sort of plump and smooth your skin from the inside. Right. We know that certain ingredients nurture the skin barrier to, um, you know, like certain fatty acids like linoleic acid and certain oil sources you'll see like sunflower, safflower oils in moisturizers that nurture that or colloidal oatmeal, which we know really helps the skin barrier repair itself and is profoundly anti-inflammatory. Ceramides, you know, these ingredients are all in the basic fantastic drugstore products. Um, Amazing. I know. I mean, I'm going out and buying Vaseline like right after we end this. So. I know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and then and then companies have done a really great job for you and taken that Vaseline and cut it with other ingredients to make it more spreadable and easier to use. And they've combined it with things like oatmeal or ceramides or um, allantoin or domesticone, like things that are we know are anti-inflammatory or calming and help the skin barrier um, repair and nurture itself to help. So there are plenty of products like this and they're and they're fantastic yeah and they're cool again which is great right and then like vitamin <laughs> like i was like i was of like a good vitamin e like cream for my body i find i find that that's it's because it locks in moisture right doesn't that it's an antioxidant it does lock in moisture you can become irritated to or allergic to uh, a lot of topical vitamin e preparations but as long as you're not uh, then it is it is a great um, oil, and as long as you're not acne prone or sensitive to it or allergic to it topically, 
it's, it's a great ingredient as well and antioxidant. I love mm -hmm. it. So that's number one, sun protection. And number two would be retinoids. I mean, we have decades of research on retin-A. It binds directly to retinoic acid receptors in the skin. They're vitamin A derivatives and they have cell surface receptors. They completely improve the increased cell turnover. They improve all the processes we talked about that tear up collagen and accelerate aging in our skin. Um, they mitigate the likeliness that you're going to get clogged pores and acne. Um, they reduce inflammation. They protect against UV damage and environmental stressors. They thicken up the uh, collagen layers in your skin. They stimulate healthy collagen development. They thicken up the epidermis and make your skin look more even and smooth and bright, bright and pigment. I mean, there's just so many great effects of retinoids. And most certainly those that are already active that are either tretinoin or retinoic acid or synthetic retinoids that all bind directly to the receptors, those are going to be the most effective things you can use. Amazing. The reason I didn't say antioxidants is that antioxidants, a lot of them, especially vitamin C, are really unstable. So it's very hard to know how much it's working, but we do know that antioxidants are really powerful. So I put those at number two in the ingredients list only because the stability of, of each of them come into question, uh, but vitamin C being the most known and it most definitely has a powerful effects in the skin if it's stable and absorbed. And then these antioxidant blends, which can be really fantastic. Um, when they, and, so, and a lot of them have been studied and proven, you know, they, they put the, the antioxidant blend on the skin and they irradiate it with UV and a small patch and then they measure the inflammation and the redness that, that ensues. And you can prove, you know, if an, an, an antioxidant is working topically that way. Like, it, like a vitamin C, for instance. A vitamin C or a vitamin C blended with other antioxidants like you mentioned vitamin E, uh, perulic acid, green tea, polyphenols. And then there's a long list of other known antioxidants that can be blended and um, used in this in this fashion in sunscreens or as their own serum to layer with your sunscreen in the morning amazing incredible thank those you those are the big things and then all the other things like all the other ingredients like the calming, the calming ingredients the peptides um, all of these things, like they all go kind of lower down on the totem pole, and some of them are researched to have effects, and others of them are are great unknowns with the other botanicals. Some of them are researched and have great effects, and and some of them are are not so much, and they're just kind of thrown in there. <laughs> so, right. Well, this is this is incredible information. Um, Wow. I, well, you know, you're my doctor, so I love you. And, <laughs> and I love you too. <laughs> I have the most fascinating and interesting patients. That has just been one of the greatest honors of, of medical practice. It's all the people I meet. How uh, fascinating and interesting, especially in New York City. Yes. have amazing people. Uh, yes. Well, well, thank you. We love New York. And you know, you've, you're an incredible doctor. And I'm, I'm just so honored to have you talking about all these important things that men and women are, are constantly curious about and, and struggling with because there are so many myths. And thank you for breaking it down for us because we need to know, right? I mean, these things are important because people are spending money and yeah, maybe because they're looking at their face over Zoom all day long, they just, they're going out and buying these incredibly expensive products, but they don't necessarily have to do that. 
So, you know, it's super Correct. important. Correct. Thank you for breaking it down. But the most important thing through all this is everyone needs a checkup, right? Everyone needs to go to their doctor and get a health checkup on their skin and really see what, what's going on. Absolutely. And that could be life-saving. And it's going to also put you in put you in the right direction. And you know, some of these products are great for your skin, and some of them are not so great for your skin. You know, if you're if you've got acne or rosacea, and you're buying products that are marketed to really dry mature skin, well, they might not have the right ingredients or profile to help your skin. So, getting professional advice on your skincare and um, a skin checkup, and just really correct proper treatment. Um, for your own health, well-being is is, is going to be life-changing for sure. For sure. And it could be life-saving. <laughs> skin checkup. Saving exactly, exactly. Especially in this pandemic, people are people are you know have have had to neglect their own medical and personal care. So yes, very important to get back to it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of What Do You Believe? Please remember to subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. We very much appreciate your continued support. Thank you.